Raptors fans, welcome back to this edition of the Raptors Tip of the Tower podcast, brought to you by tipofthetower.com. As always, I'm Crystal Kranitz, and I'm joined by Damar Grant. Damar, I guess the conspiracy theory of how the NBA hates Canada and the Raptors fans is alive and well after the way Summer League ended for the Raptors, eh? <laughs> I love the conspiracy. This is one of my favorite sports conspiracies in like all, all sports. I find it's kind of prevailing with all the Toronto teams, though. Maybe, maybe mine is hockey, but... Baseball, when you look at last year, the playoffs with the Texas incident where uh, Russell Martin threw it off the back of Shinsu Chu's bat there, and everybody thought, oh my god, here we go. Thank the sports gods, every sports in general, they hate Canada. They hate Toronto, they hate us, and now the Raptors, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, you know, I remember that moment, but that was actually the correct ruling, wasn't it? Like, the ball hit yeah, the, ball oh, hit yeah, the no, bat, was... and he was inside the batter's box, so they treat it, it's treated as a hit. So. Yep, no, it was the right call, but it's just funny how... Whenever anything weird like that happens to a Toronto or Canadian team, for that matter, we automatically assume that there's a conspiracy that the league hates Canadian teams. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to see Canadians win, man. It's an American league. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, that call was terrible. That that shouldn't have been a foul. I mean, it was so ticky-tack. Like like you said, it was a Reggie Miller call. It just, I thought it was garbage. It wasn't even ticky-tack, bro. It was just like if you watch. Even, you didn't even have to watch the replay. You just watch it the first time. You're just like, the guy just like kicked my man. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it's it's it kind of sucks because the referees at Summer League are like, they're like in Summer League for referees as well. Like, this is like their tryout period to make it into the NBA as a referee. So somebody's refereeing career does take a major setback. Setback. He's done. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the 81-79 loss to the Timberwolves though in the quarterfinals, it was a pretty progressive summer league for the Raptors. I mean, we saw a lot of great things, in particular from Norm Powell. Um, even Jacopoto looked pretty good. Guys like DeLon Wright before his injury. The Raptors had some very good positive takeaways, in my opinion. You want to start with Norm Powell? I feel like he's he's where we should start. He kind of looked like Dwayne Wade out there. See, that's the thing. I don't think he should be playing in summer league just because he does look like Dwayne Wade out there. Like He's so far and away better than... Most most of the players that are playing there, like especially coming off of the, the playoff run where he was like a major contributor, it just doesn't make any sense for him to be part of summer league. His stat line was gaudy: nineteen point eight points, four point four boards, two point four assists, one steal. That was all per game, and then he shot forty three percent from the floor and forty six percent from three. Yeah, and attempted a ridiculous thirty five free throws. Yeah, like he was he was killing kids. Yeah, he's just, it looks like he's just playing out there, you know. It's like a it's a playground for him, and every it's like a battleground for pretty much every other player. Well, instead of raving about Norm, because I think anybody listening to this would agree with us, and it's unanimous, Norm was far and away the best player in summer league. I know Tyus Jones is the MVP, but anybody who watched enough games that is a diehard or as some say degenerate basketball fan like us. <laughs> You definitely noticed that he was the best player out there. You can make a case for some guys, but I think Norm was just, he was something else to watch. Yeah, I thought. Talking about other guys, though, DeLon Wright looked pretty good prior to his shoulder injury. Yeah, I like the passing. One of, that's his second, I would say, first or second best attribute is his passing. The other would be, like, his defense. Cause... I was going to actually comment on his closeout game. I thought his closeout game was phenomenal because he's got those long arms, and he just seems to kind of be a nuisance in the passing lanes. And I thought that was it was really nice to see. I, I saw a lot of that in Utah, so the college game is a little different, obviously, than the NBA game. And one could say that the Summer League is kind of comparable, but 
just seeing him consistently do it prior to his shoulder injury, it was something that I'm kind of excited to watch going forward. Yeah, being six foot five as a point guard helps a lot, just like to cage up people, you know. So it's just like the extra, extra inch or two in his wingspan helps a lot just to get the ball. Because, you know, <clears throat> being near the ball handler so much, there's a lot of passes originating and going back to the ball handler, the primary ball handler. So, you know, it, it yeah, makes him look way better. Well, he has a six foot, six and a half wingspan, according to Draft Express. So, I mean, that's pretty hefty. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> For a point guard? Yeah, exactly. He's larger than most point guards, so it just gives him this uh, substantial advantage. He's not really losing anything athletically to the other point guards, so. Yeah, it's more than worth it to have him out there as a point guard. I love the long arms. Another guard that looked pretty good with the Raptors was Fred Van Fleet. They ended up signing a multi-year deal. Um, I thought he was kind of like a poor man's Corey Joseph out there. He's somebody we talked about in the last podcast as well, but to kind of encapsulate his summer league, he was pretty productive. I mean, he chipped in everywhere. He didn't he didn't overwhelm anybody, but he was he was productive. Productive enough, obviously, to get a contract. So what were your thoughts on him? I think that his contract is like a 905 contract. Like, they're drafting him... Or not, sorry, not drafting, but but signing him just so they can have him in the 905 to see if he develops into something greater than he already is. And it's, he's definitely a stash. Yeah, exactly. So and the Raptors really like to do that uh, with their younger players. They like to put them on the 905. They almost have like a, a Major League Baseball farm system going on at this point. Which is awesome. I mean, that's one of the things that I was very happy when they got the 905. I was like, great. They can start stashing guys and kind of take on what the Spurs have done with the Austin Toros and, and make it this AAA baseball farm system where you may take on guys now that you wouldn't have taken on before. I mean, Bruno was the start of it, and then we kind of happened to get a D-League team and everybody said it was Bruno's team. But now you even look at guys like Pascal Siakam, like one could say that the 905 could help him immensely. Now the Raptors can kind of take on these project players. Yeah, that so, would have been great for Scal. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> It would. I I really hope Scal doesn't turn into something. Oh, but he. Oh. I'll be salty. I, you know I do because uh, I like to be right, but uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I don't because obviously be, this will be like a Lamarcus Aldridge incident again, right? Well, I think if there's two players that were really talented in this draft that the Raptors passed on or had a chance to draft, that would be Scalabisri. They passed on him twice, and Thon Maker. Oh yeah, that's yeah. another name that if he becomes something, they're gonna be. He was in the Sidereys backyard the whole time, and they're gonna be like, "Damn it!" But that's a rabbit hole we won't even bother going down. Do you think it's the age, the age thing? You think the age thing is what turned him off to selecting him? I don't think it's just the age thing. I think it's part of his guardian and the whole environment surrounding him. There, there's a lot more there than just basketball with Thon Maker. I mean, he's one of the nicest kids you could ever meet, or some would say young adult. But he's just he's a really good guy, but the people around him have gotten a lot of mixed reviews depending on where you read. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything too personal opinion-wise, okay. but you read some stuff on forums and you talk to people around the GTA or just within basketball, in particular the AAU circuit, the reviews are very mixed. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's tough. People say it's a, it's a cash grab off these kids. It's some things you've heard is the, the absolute extreme. Mm-hmm. To others saying, well, why is he leaving all these different countries? There's just there's a lot of baggage there with them. And I think the Raptors passed because of all that baggage. Yeah, a lot of question so. marks. Yeah. It and becomes a distraction chemistry-wise for the team, so. Of course. See and why. the Raptors taking a 19-year-old kid, they, they don't really strike me as somebody that would do that. Mm. It was, uh, oh yeah, the uh, other thing about Van Fleet is, um, I don't think the Raptors have like a ton of guards 
on the roster. Like that would be their what fourth point guard. Yep, they got Kyle Lowry, Corey Joseph, Delon Wright, and Fred VanVleet. Right. Uh, are we getting rid of? Are we getting? Are you trading somebody? Or how long are we going to hold on to VanVleet? Is Delon Wright who's still going to be agent? in the D League? Or like what's what's going on? Well, who's an upcoming free agent? <laughs> Tell me about the upcoming free agent. Or it's Kyle Lowry. I mean, <laughs> you gotta have some insurance, right? If they lose them, I... Joseph moves into your starter. Delon Wright's your automatic backup. Van Fleet's your third point guard. So they're just gonna stack up and use it as leverage, like to say, you know, if you leave, we still have guys. Like, what's what's the thing? I wouldn't necessarily call it leverage. I call it insurance. I feel like it's such a guard-centric league now, where you need guys who can handle the ball. That Messiah Jerry's decide to stack up on it, and just in case Lowry does leave, he has insurance. Even if he doesn't, though, he's got trade assets. Right. That's just my thoughts with it. They lose him. They lose him for nothing, right? Because they don't even have cap space to resign, like to sign somebody, right? Correct. Nope. And I don't believe they own his bird rights. I'd have to double check that, but I'm pretty certain they don't. What? Pardon? I don't think they own Lowry's bird rights. Why wouldn't they? They have. They've had him for what four years? Should I have his I'm, bird rights. I'm gonna check that up right now. I'm almost certain they don't, though. This is a prime podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so at this point that they have four guards, I mean, Kyle Lowry, is, I guess he would be coming, becoming a free agent. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's really productive because DeLon Wright is bouncing between the 905 and and the Raptors, and now Van Fleet seems like he's going to be permanently on the 905. So, I just, Which I don't think is a bad thing. They could always bust him back and forth like they did with uh, a lot of players this year, actually. Right, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. It's just like when I have a lot of like extra players stacked up in a position, it makes me kind of, I wouldn't say nervous, but it just like makes me question a lot of things. Like I don't really understand the reasoning why Kyle Lowry leaves. You know, Corey Joseph isn't necessarily a suitable backup to be like the starter. I don't really think so. Mm, yeah, you know what? I can see how people think that he's not a starter in this league. Mm. But at the same time, if he does leave... Wouldn't the Raptors be taking a step back anyways with DeMar DeRozan being their centerpiece and JV? Like, they, would nece- they wouldn't necessarily have anybody to step in and fill that point guard role. So I feel like by default, unless another big name came here, the Raptors would be taking a step back. Yeah. Oh, oh. step back. I like those words. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do not like those words. It sounds like, uh, like our dream scenario. Darkest timeline for most people, dream scenario for us. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, we're not going to get into that because that is literally doomsday <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah, for for yeah, it depends on what your perspective is, man. Do you want to win a championship or you just want to be good for a while? I want I want long term. Okay. I'll, I'll, actually, you know what? I want to win a championship and have long term in the perfect world. But hey, flags fly forever, right? I guess so. so. If I can get a banner, then yeah, let's do it. So, another, what did you think about Bruno though? What about him? Like just the way he he moves on the court. Well, is he still two years away from being two years away? I think he's what, like, are we one year away from being one year away? Like he's like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's technically on that timeline, yes. <laughs> but looked, I think he looked a bit better yeah, in he's, summer league. He's looked okay now. Like uh, he looks better in summer league than in in the crown league. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a lackluster effort. <laughs> so now he looks like, um, yeah, yeah, he looks exactly what you were talking about. He looks like three and D type of wing player. Which is kind of uh, you know a little bit questionable to be developing that for four years, 
a project player just to get basically like the fourth best player on a championship team. Yeah, I feel like the, instead of giving up on him, they just try to get something for him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he does have like great length, and he is like pretty decent, decent speed. <clears throat> he, he sounds like he can make a lot of switches, like uh, from three to four. He can be a small ball four, but I know it sounds like we're, it sounds like we're like really down on him, but like he's going to be good eventually. It just feels like it's been forever. I think what you wrote in your five takeaways from Summer League about him being more Trevor Reza than Kevin Durant was spot on. Right. I remember him being drafted when they said he was going to be the Brazilian Kevin Durant. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, man, Brazilian Kevin Durant. And then they're like two, two years away from being two years away. And they're like, okay, four years from now, Kevin Durant will be on our team. Not the actual Kevin Durant. Brazilian Kevin. Well, yeah, we were hoping that would be the case, and now we got, you know, we got the Brazilian Kevin Durant, so. Right, so it kind of, like, that was probably, like, really damning for his career at the very beginning, because they're like, okay, Kevin Durant, and then four years, the two years away from being two years away, because even now we're referencing both of those, right, so that's I feel like that's just, like, brought down the perception of him, but right now he looks, looks good, he can be productive in a couple years. I'm happy about it, at least. <laughs> I want to see him contribute on, on the actual Raptors team soon so I can stop seeing Terrence Ross struggle as small forward and play shooting guard. Yeah, that's another topic, too. I mean, there's... The one thing to finish off on Bruno here is that when I hear things like people say his potential is limitless, and then I hear the Raptors' summer league coaches, uh, Jama Mahalele and Jerry Stackhouse, I probably butchered his name just saying it there, but... Gave it a shot with uh, Malale, who's actually a really good coach. He'll probably get a job somewhere else pretty soon. They say the game is at its best for Bruno when it's kept simple. Stuff like that makes me think that potential is not limitless. Not there yet. <laughs> like his, um, it just sounds like his basketball IQ is not there. You know, like and that's he like, doesn't see. That's the, why I think they made him a D and three. Ah. Yeah, like they don't. He doesn't see the. For example, he doesn't see the floor like Kevin Durant. He sees the floor more like DeAndre Drummond. Or Andre Drummond, or I said DeAndre Drummond. Like Andre Drummond is, or uh, DeAndre Jordan. <clears throat> it's hard to say Even those, those guys. Names, like, to, reference both, <laughs> to reference both people, they have such similar, similar names. Well, I feel like they see the floor better. I, like, I just, watching him play sometimes is kind of like... Man, you can't just camp the perimeter, right? Like somebody with your wingspan would be so valuable crashing the glass, and he picks and chooses when to do it. But he just kind of looks like a drifter a lot of times out there, and I, I don't know if that's because he's lazy or if he's aloof or his basketball IQ is just not high enough to recognize certain situations. But it's a it's a concern that I don't know if you can fix it. Like it's been three years now. Yeah. It's- how, how how patient can you be? I don't know. If he wasn't on the Raptors, he would not be in the league. Oh hell no! Kind of beach Brazil. He would be uh, gone by, if not last year, the year before. And I just feel like the Raptors. Yeah, you just write like they haven't. They're not willing to admit the mistake of drafting him. Well, they can keep exercising his options, right? And then after that, they can sign another cheap deal because he's just going to be a D league asset. So yeah, it's it's not going to cost much to keep him around, and he hasn't really shown much uh, like true development. Not like. He's developed as a player, but he hasn't shown it in the NBA in any significant way, so he's going to be cheap to keep around, and plus the cap has gone up. So. 
And it's going to go up again, which makes this whole Raptors depth chart of who they have very, I'll call it compelling. Because there's some free agents to be coming up when you look at Patterson, Jared Sullinger again, obviously. Then you got the big one, Kyle Lowry. Like these, these are guys that are, with the cap going up, are going to need to get paid. And it may not be a lot of money. Like aside from Lowry, they may not have any guys that are near the max. But when you look at Patterson and Sullinger and you look at what some of these guys got this past offseason, it's going to be hard for the Raptors to keep this whole team intact, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And depending on how well Patrick Patterson plays this year, will actually probably define whether or not he stays on this team. Because if he plays very well, he'll be gone. Yeah, he's going to be gone. It's like just the amount of money that they need to pay him to retain him will be too much. And then the Raptors are going to have this huge hole at power forward because they don't have any other power forwards on the team. Well, okay, let's go through the depth chart then, because it's it's not pretty at certain parts when you look at what's looming. So you got Kyle Lowry, Corey Joseph, DeLon Wright, Fred Van Fleet, a point guard, which we talked about earlier. And to follow up on something you said earlier, the Raptors do have his bird rights. My mistake. I'll wear that one on the chin. So okay. <laughs> they do have his bird rights. Um, everybody there is signed pretty much long-term, minus Kyle Lowry, who's an impending free agent. You move over to shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan, Norm Powell, Small forward, Carroll, Ross, I put Bruno. Mm-hmm. He's He's got to be there. Power forward, Jared Sollinger, Patrick Patterson, Pascal Siakam. Two of those three players are impending free agents for next season. That's that's a big, big issue. And then center, you got JV, Jacopoto, and Bebe, Lucas Nogueira. So, you know, it's some talent. The harder you look at, like, if you really take, like, a really hard look at this team, it is, like, who two players away from being an actually bad team. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, if you take away Lowry and JV or... Because <laughs> like, DeRozan's here to like stay that. now, if, right? If Patrick Patterson leaves, like, there's just a hole at power forward, and or if they can't re-sign Kyle Lowry, like, they just don't have a, a good enough point guard. You know what I mean? Like, the, they were... Sec- That's pretty scary. Yeah, they were second in the East last year, yeah. right? And it looks like Boston might be better than them this year, so they'll be, like, third... If they lose one of those one of those two pieces, they can slide even further down, and then we're looking at an Atlanta Hawks scenario. See, I actually think the Raptors are going to be the Atlanta Hawks, and I I hate saying that, but Atlanta's never been terrible, but they've never been great. They've always been the closest they got was very good with the whole what we saw the past couple of years here, where they they competed with the Cavs a little bit and reached the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was that was great, you know. That's it. Yeah, and I feel like the Raptors are gonna are gonna float down that same path where, like Atlanta, they play in a big market. Like Atlanta, they can spend money if they need to. Like Atlanta, they have that one player that they can kind of, you know, lean on. They have pieces that come in. They have a good coach. They have a pretty good system in place, but they just they're just not good enough. They're just good. Yeah, but the the one difference that there is is that Atlanta, like the fan base, is like really bad. It's yeah, like, like super bad. Like it's usually at the bottom of the league in terms of attendance. Even when they won sixty games that one season last year, was it last year or the year before? Year before. And uh, yeah, they were at the bottom in the league of attendance when like the Raptors are when have one of the most fervent uh, fan bases probably in the entire M- NBA. Easily. Well, it is football country down there, but I think when you compare like the top-down structure of the Raptors to the Hawks, they're they're pretty similar. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting it's getting a little getting a little scary, man. If you lose Kyle Lowry, it all come crashing down. 
I think the power forward spot is even more of a concern. I mean, Sullinger and Patterson, both of them are going to be playing for contracts. Mm. Realistically, the Raptors can keep one. They're probably going to keep Patterson, man. If they have, to, if it comes down to it, it, they're keeping Patterson, especially if Sullinger cannot lose weight. At, at this point, Sullinger actually should be considered a center. He should be, but based on how he's going to fit in with the Raptors, I mean, you got JV, Podol, and Bebe. Those those guys are your centers. Right. So yeah, the Raptors have committed too much to those three guys now. Like, they have to play them. JV obviously they gave the money to. wasn't a lot. It's it's a great contract when you look at it. It's a movable one at that. Poto they drafted with the ninth overall pick, and Bebe they've kept him this long, so they got to give him a shot. They got to see what he's got. So I feel like that's kind of set in stone. Yeah. So that power forward position just looks uh more and more. Yo man, if Pascal could shoot, that'd be awesome. I don't think he can. He cannot shoot the ball. Like, he just no. can't. He cannot shoot the ball. But if he could, it would have been awesome because that's pretty much all they need at the power forward position is, like, shooting. Well, he's going to bring good energy. Like, we know that much. Yeah, energy is it's okay. You know, the crowd brings energy to the team. I just I feel like I'm just always down on power forwards that can't shoot because they just, like, clog the lane and they make it harder for, especially for this team, they make it so much harder for DeMar DeRozan and... How Larry to actually yeah. score. That's a big issue, especially DeRozan now being here long term, which I don't have a big issue with. Obviously, we talked about this earlier, about how it's basically the Raptors thing, status quo. And I think that's why we both more firmly believe they're going to be the Atlanta Hawks or even the Memphis Grizzlies, as opposed to a team that's going to have a realistic shot at winning a title. But I digress off that. I, I just think the power forward spot is going to be somebody who can actually float the perimeter now, as opposed to somebody who can kind of play their back to the basket. Spacing over interior scoring is what the Raptors are going to look for now from their forward. Yeah. They're powerful. Yeah, and Pascal does not <laughs> does not attribute that to the team. So He looks like a second basically a second unit guy. Sorry, I chipped out first. He looks like a he looks like a second unit player. Yeah, absolutely. Even on the second unit, you know, it'd be him, Terrence Ross, Norman Powell. Curry Joseph, Jakob Podol. Again, there's like that spacing issue. Podol can shoot from mid-range, you know, slightly, but that's about it. Yeah. I think the Raptors are really banking on him surprising some people. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully he surprises us because from the way we're looking at it now, it's like it doesn't... Hmm, the pieces don't quite fit. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got some stars between a few na- beside a few names here for the Raptors that on their depth chart I think are going to have to really progress forward next year, and they're banking on it. Um, obviously, DeLon Wright and Norman Powell are two guys that I think they're really hoping are going to take that next step forward to help them develop. Uh, Bruno is another one that I had, but that's a very soft star. I mean, we've been saying this for years with him. Okay. And then Bebe and Podol. One of them's got to be able to spell some minutes here for JV. I feel like that's a big issue because they can't always go with Carroll at the stretch four and then push Sullinger to center. They, they can go small ball, but I don't know how much you can really play that because Damari Carroll's health has been an issue for a couple of years now, and hopefully he can stay healthy, knock on wood. But realistically, you're looking at 60 games from him. Right. If you put uh, Carroll at small ball four, then you could play Pascal, I guess. I guess, then yeah. You, would have, you still have so many other options, that you, you know, Jacopotl or Nogueira. I can't believe we're actually talking about Nogueira as being like, actual part of this team, <laughs> an actual contributor to the team. Hey, well, 
TSN's Josh Lundberg, he tweeted out the other day about uh, the Raptors' depth chart, and he was saying how Bebe is going to get the first crack at the backup center role. Okay, that's exciting. So, yeah, I mean, this is a huge opportunity for him. Yeah, I hope he's ready for that, you know, because, like, those long arms are uh, – <laughs> those are a beauty to see, those long, tatted arms. There, there's no reason why he can't contribute with the way he's built. Like, I'm not talking to be a double-double, a 10-10 ten, a ten guy, excuse me. But at least somebody who chips in like six and three a night, mm-hmm. yeah, that's more than solid. Or even three and six. He doesn't got to score a lot. I feel like most of his points are gonna be putbacks, easy lanes, transition buckets, things like that. Yeah, free throws, just simple things. Like he's really there to defend the rim, crash the glass, and deliver crisp outlet passes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the crisp outlet passes. I don't. I haven't really seen him. Handling the ball, so he's an okay passer. But I'm just assuming that if he's going to grab boards, the Raptors when they want to, sometimes you've seen with Corey Joseph where they'll want to push things in transition with the second unit. Right. So, okay, I figured that's where his transition passing will come in. Yeah, but, I know how you mentioned Norman Powell needs to make a jump for yeah. the Raptors. Uh, if he makes a jump, isn't he just better than Demar Derozan at that point? I feel like that's a big jump to be better than Demar Derozan, wouldn't you? What? what what is making DeMar DeRozan better than Norman Powell for you at this moment? At this moment, just experience. Experience, a proven jump shot, consistency to get to the rim. We've only seen Norman Powell do that really consistently in the summer league. If he does this consistently in the regular season where the games matter a little bit more, then yeah. Okay. I think for the Raptors, I think they're actually kind of hoping that so they can kind of slide DeRozan to the three and start Norman Powell to two. I don't think, I think that would be is idea. capable of guarding threes because he's barely capable of guarding twos at this point. And I think between Norm and DeRozan, they can switch off. Very rare do teams have a 2-3 a attack that can kill you. Mm-hmm. So I think the Raptors will kind of just switch off and you know, take the lesser of two evils there and just hope that one of them goes down in terms of like Norm locking down one and DeRozan kind of locking down one every once in a while. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think, and I know this is, this is going to come as a shot to some people, but if they had Norman Powell instead of Demar Derozan, I, I actually think they would be like the same. Like they would win the same amount of games just without Demar Derozan. If they had like a, a different backup shooting guard. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of variables to account for after that. Okay. When I'm looking at Demar Derozan, right, I'm getting from getting from him mid-range pull-ups. Post up twos and drives to the basket, right? I mean, he's good in transition. Yeah. And then I look at uh, Norman Powell. I'm like, getting drives to the basket, transition points, three points, the three point shot, and the ability to drive, willingness and ability to drive and kick. That Demar Derozan is just not giving you, like straight up, just not passing the ball. So I don't know. It's like, and plus Kyle Lowry, there's just like more space for the entire team. Jonas gets more space. Patrick Patterson gets more space. Demar Carroll gets more space. It's a lot easier to shoot. Norman Powell doesn't really demand the ball that much, so Jonas gets the ball more. Kyle Lowry gets the ball more. You know what I mean? I do. I feel like they'd really embodied Dwayne Casey and the way that he wants to play defense and move the ball and do all that stuff. Right. So. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something, but or maybe I've fallen into the cult of Norm, right? But I, perhaps, I honestly, perhaps. I think you're undervaluing DeMar DeRozan a little bit. I don't bit. think he's that good. I think he's like probably the most underrated, overrated player in the in the league. 
Yeah, no, now that he's paid what he's paid, he's easily going to fall into that category. Most, like, he's just, he's like a rich man's Aaron Aflalo that can't shoot threes. Man, I think he's a little bit better than that. He can at least get to the rim. Aflalo's like just a jump shooter. I mean, but I get, I do get what you're saying. He's kind of one-dimensional in a sense, where he just has the mid-range game. He's he's isocentric. He depends on his free throws and getting to the cup. That's it. Yeah. His defense is subpar. His three is what? Once in a blue moon? Right. That's it. I don't know. I got Norman Powell's great defense. He has a three-point shot. Drives to the rim. I mean, like, the only thing that is the problem with me with Powell and drives to the rim is that he doesn't have missing the left hand, and that might be the thing for me, and that might be the thing for uh, Dwayne Casey, too, is like, man, if you just shop more floaters and have more craft around the rim, then he would be able to get the, the jump over DeRozan, but I guess at this point, he's not better than DeRozan, but, you know, if he does make a jump in any way, I just see, I just think he's a better player than DeMar DeRozan. Well, I think we have two really early speculation storylines that we've kind of stumbled upon here. One would be the power four position, if you thought people talked about it a lot last year, <laughs> get ready this year. This year it will be talked about at will because now both guys are impending free agents and nobody knows what the long-term answer is there. And the second storyline would be, what if Norm Powell surpasses DeMar DeRozan? I think those are two speculative storylines that we've talked about quite a bit and I feel like are ready to happen this year. <laughs> I have become an acolyte of the cult of Norm. You better hope he delivers, buddy. <laughs> he will, man. 46% in Summer League. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I'm not disagreeing with you, but there's a lot of Raptors fans that are putting a lot of eggs in Norm's basket. I don't think he's going to shoot 46% from three in the regular Hell season, no. but he's going to be shooting. Hey, that's lights out. He's been shooting in like the mid to high 30s during the regular season. If he can just Yeah. He's bringing that, he... that and just more craft around the rim. I'm serious, man. He's better than DeMar DeRozan. We'll see. We'll see. I, I really hope he does become better than Marta Rosen, but we'll see. Okay, and plus, he has a great nickname, Mr. Serious. So. It's awesome. He's just, it's an awesome. <laughs> he's just lining up to become the the sweetheart of Toronto sports. Let's hope. I, I'm just I'm a little bit reluctant to put all my eggs in his basket right now. I love him. I love everything he brings to the game, and I think getting robbed of Summer League MVP, yeah, he got robbed is going to put a bigger chip on his shoulder. His work ethic is second to none, but I want to see him do it against regular NBA guys. That's all I want to see. Dude, I can't wait until this season starts. So I'll be watching a lot of Norm. We'll probably be breaking down his film, all that stuff. I love it. A lot of Norm <laughs> and a lot of Patrick Patterson, because Patrick Patterson's got some stuff to prove, too. He's actually going to have to uh, start for the team now. Oh, God. <laughs> People are already suggesting, debating whether him or Sullinger should start no or sit. or. <laughs> Because apparently Patterson is not comfortable starting. I don't know where he ever said that or anybody in the Raptors organization said that, but apparently that's what it is. If you go on like Reddit, Real GM forums, anything like that, you're going to read how, you know, Sullinger has to start because Patterson is better off the bench. Okay. okay. Last time I checked, him playing 30-plus minutes a night, it doesn't matter how it comes, he's still playing the majority of the minutes. A lot of those are against starters. Yeah, so that doesn't really make much sense. You're right. Yeah, to me it dispels that notion. Like, if you're playing 30 or 48 minutes, you're playing against starters. 
<laughs> so <laughs> cut the hole. He's uncomfortable. What? Because he's on the floor for the opening tip. He's uncomfortable all of a sudden. I don't buy it. Yeah, and it, most players would say it's easier to get into the flow of the game if you're starting. Yeah, you get your legs loose. Right. Usually when you come in, you're cold. You know, you haven't done anything, and the game has already started. People are already warm. People have already gotten enough fuel for the game, the ball, the referees. Like you're just picking that up when you come in, like say halfway through the first quarter or something like that. Now you just get to do. At the beginning, you get to shake the ref's hand. You know, you get to your pregame, uh, like your little pregame thing. You want to dance or whatever. You can do that and then hit the court Russell, immediately. Russell Westbrook, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're excessive handshakes. Yeah, so you could do that immediately and then just go hit the court. I'm just, I, I'm just, I don't get it, dude. I don't get that. Like he's better off the bench, or he's like more comfortable being off the bench. It's like start, man. Playing the I feel like it's July and people need something to talk about. Yeah, just like a little speculative dust up, I guess. So that's that's my my thoughts on it. I mean, take it for what it is, but since it is July and since the Raptors are going to be affected by free agency next year in a bigger way, not just trying to pursue big names, but they have their own guys to bring back. Something you thought about off the air was the whole franchise tag. Not identical to the way the NBA or the NFL, sorry, does it, but the NBA would have its own twist to it. You want to elaborate a bit on that? I thought someone that was a pretty interesting theory you had. I was thinking of an idea of a franchise tag because recently Dwayne Wade had left the Heat, and everybody's going to everybody has been saying, man, it's going to be so weird to see Dwayne Wade in a, in a uniform that's other than the Heat. And the same thing with Kevin Durant, where he's in Oklahoma City now, where you know he's left the Thunder and he was the face of the Thunder. So I was thinking, you know, it would be awesome, especially for the in the Heat scenario. It was like it would be awesome if I could just pay my my best player, or I'd attach this franchise tag to one player on the team that I can just be like, this is our franchise player, and pay them whatever amount. I guess it would be like the ma- you would pay them like the max, whatever the max is, and it either counts as half or nothing on your salary cap, and you can just sign other people underneath them, you know, like. Your, your Mike Millers or whatever onto the team, so it like it would not it would be a beneficiary it would, like it would benefit the team because you can get more talent on your team, you can benefit the players because you know they're always getting paid they don't have to worry about anything like that. Dwayne Wade gets to stay in Miami, um, and then for the GMs it makes your your life a little bit easier because you just have your bedrock you know it's like for the Lakers just like when they had Kobe. There was a story about how on the whiteboard they have their roster breakdown, and they had they never erased Kobe on that roster breakdown. So when they when he retired, they actually had to like when they were trying to erase it, they actually had to like. They were, I feel I, I think I read that they like broke one of their erasers trying to get his name off of the board. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you could just sign that to one player. I think it would be a great idea, and I think pretty much everybody would support it, except I guess the owners would not support it. Even the owners would support it, because then you get to keep your franchise player, the person that, you know, becomes the face of your your entire organization, he gets to stay there. You don't have to worry about losing them and maybe losing attendance or losing, you know, viewership or something like that. You just have the the one guy, he'll always stay there. He always gets the amount of money that, that he, all, the most amount of money that is possible for them. Especially, and now that the CBA is coming up, like the CBA negotiations negotiations are coming up, you know, it'd be a nice thing for for some uh, topic of conversation. Just like not even 
not even in the well, it could be in the negotiations, but just around the league. I would love to hear what people think about it. I think it'll definitely come up. I I do think we're heading for a strike, regardless, just because of how much people are complaining about the player salaries now. So I think that's gonna be inevitable. But this whole franchise tag thing that you've brought up, cap wise, I think it would really matter to that. I mean, are they gonna get a percentage of the cap this franchise player? Are they gonna count against the cap? I think that's it's all gonna boil down to financial with this whole like franchise idea. Yeah, but the best I think the best thing would be for it to like only count as a portion towards the sal- like the salary cap within the league. Pay them like say the the max salary is like thirty or forty million or whatever. Pay them forty million, but it only counts as like twenty million on the actual team salary cap, just so you can have more. Just so you have the like the player has the incentive to stay on the team and not leave because they're getting paid so much amount, and you're still able to um, keep talent on the team. Because that's why te- that's why players leave their team is not because. No, they're not getting paid a certain. I mean, okay, in Dwayne Wade's case, it's because he's not getting paid a certain amount. But in most of the time, it's like there's not enough talent, and one of the reasons that there's not enough talent on a team is because there's so much salary cap space being taken up by one player that you can't. And especially if you have two superstars, there's no way to actually fill in the rest of the roster. So that's what happened with the Thunder, and that's what happened with the Clippers, and that's probably what's going to happen with the Raptors. I agree. I mean. I think in theory it's a good idea, like not counting some of it against the cap, because look at the Thunder. They're at risk of losing possibly Durant and Westbrook at in the one calendar year. They're at risk of losing literally everything. Like, yeah. Westbrook is, but, could be gone, Durant is gone, Serge Ibaka is gone, Harden is gone. Like, there's <laughs> pretty much like the core of that team is down to one player now, and he will most likely leave in free agency unless they trade most him. Most likely. I think by not counting it against the cap, though, some of it, you're risking the potential to grow more super teams. You look at Miami with the big three. Dwayne Wade took a pay cut. LeBron James took a pay cut, well, slightly, to bring Chris Bosh, right? Now, if that money didn't count against the cap, LeBron, Chris Bosh could come, and then let's say they took a discount, they could get another guy. So I think if you have one hometown superstar, you could run the risk of potentially getting the super friends to all go together at one team and make another super team. Like, think about, like, Steph Curry if the Warriors were to declare him as, like, a franchise tag player. Right. Man, that could be scary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think that's the only other side of the coin argument with it. I, I I like the whole having a franchise tag. I think it's a great idea, and it's something that would help teams, like you said, keep their players. Because let's face it, when these guys leave these franchises, they're not just leaving the team. They're leaving a city. They're leaving a city that has marketed this player to the extreme. Like, people come to strictly watch these guys. The NBA is not a team sport. It's a superstar sport. You go there to watch certain players. Like very rarely are you saying, "Hey, I'm going to watch the Spurs." Like they're the one team. You're, you're going to watch teams come into town to go watch Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. You're going to watch superstars. Like that's the way the league's marketed itself. And I think because of that, they have to protect these players and the teams from losing these players. So I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and also when the player, especially when it's a generational talent like Durant or LeBron. They leave, it decimates the team. Like the team. It's crippling, yeah. Because then other players leave, right? You don't want to play in a team that, like, hey, I was here to play with LeBron. Oh, now I'm stuck with, oh, God, who am I stuck with? Like, then they just decide to leave, Yeah, right? like, everybody decides to leave because the team is already bad, and then it makes it increasingly bad, and then they find themselves in a hole where they have to completely rebuild the team. At least the Thunder, the Thunder in this situation, at least they have Westbrook that they might be able to trade. 
But they can also just lose him at this point. Yeah, which is a scary thought. And then they have nothing. Then they have, like, Victor Oladipo, uh, Sabonis, and, like, Steven Adams. They don't even have Dion Waiters anymore. <laughs> Man, they're really ugly there. Now that we're thinking about it, Dion Waiters is an unrestricted free agent now. They don't have Serge Ibaka, right? So they don't really have a power forward other than Sabonis, right? Their small forward positions have been their weakest position behind Kevin Durant. Then shooting guard is pretty much Victor Oladipo and Andre, uh, Andre Roberson. Then Reggie Jackson is no longer there, so their point guard back their backup point guard is um, Cameron Payne. Steven Adams behind him is like Nick Collison. Like, <laughs> it's not that great. It's, it's Basically, they, they would be one of the bottom of the league team. Like, they'd be at the bottom of the barrel in the NBA, rebuilding, hoping to God to get picks and hit lightning again. Yeah, and it's, it's all but it's very difficult to do that. Oh, and at least they have like some players to rebuild with, Victoria Depot, Cameron Payne, and all those other guys. But yeah, the bottom of the barrel is uh, very close. They are like. Have you ever watched, like, uh, the Roadrunner, where, yeah. you know, like, you see him running off a cliff, but his feet are still moving, and then, like, he finally looks down, and they're just like, oh, and then he falls to the ground, right? That is okay, see, actually. I feel like that's Sam Presti right now. He's like, god damn, yeah. I had so many pieces, and now, oh, yeah, the, man. That's the Coyote, not the Roadrunner, by the way. The Coyote, so yeah, it's like, you know, they're running through the finish line, and then, like, imagine if, you know, it's Bugs Bunny, so, like finish line just like falls or crumbles right and then they run off the cliff and then they're just like running and then they stand still for a sec look down and be like oh and then they just like fall down because they lost Westbrook possibly it's dark I man. Trade is it dark? no it is dark it is dark I mean <laughs> man what's the spot that, that's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about throughout the season what they do with them because if you're gonna lose them you gotta trade them they have to trade him have to because they can't walk away with nothing again they would just have nothing. This would be the greatest what-if like team, but they would literally be reduced to nothing and have nothing to show for it. And the hard part is, is if the longer they wait, the more teams are going to be like, why are we going to trade you for him? We're just going to wait till he hits the market. Yeah, just get him in free agency, and then the price depreciates and depreciates and depreciates. Yeah, so I... Oh, man, it's such a catch-22 for the Thunder. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it's all... You know, it all, it actually all depends on Westbrook, because if he just, like, signs that extension for, like, the next couple years, okay, and they'll be like, okay, we have... It's like a tech company. It's like, okay, we have a couple more months or years in runway until we have to play this game again. Well, I don't know if you saw the report that came out earlier today was about how the Thunder are possibly going to try and court the idea of Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin in Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook is obviously already there. Blake Griffin went to the University of Oklahoma, so he has some familiarity with Oklahoma City. Maybe that's something they could build on, but I I see that, and I'm like, okay, the Lakers can throw infinite amounts of cash at Russell Westbrook. Is he not better off going to go there and try and rebuild and lure somebody to go play with him and kind of build with a core of like Julius Randle, Ingram, D'Angelo, Russell, like I feel like that'd be that'd be the same thing. If I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm just like, when do I get, when do I get to show up in Boston? See, I don't know if I'll go to Boston though. Like I know Boston would obviously want him, but here's the thing: everything Durant has said, like post leaving, mm-hmm. he hasn't said a lot. But if you look at like all the things he said, even throughout the regular season, he said he had an uncomfortable conversation with Russell Westbrook after like when he made his decision. It doesn't sound like 
he was somebody that was easy to play with. And Durant, who's a pretty easy player, like the dude, he can shoot, he can do it all. If he can't play with Russell Westbrook, how the hell is anybody else? So what do you propose? Like he just like has his own team, you build around him and see if he can carry you to the promised land? He's getting. I think he's. I think Russell Westbrook is the Allen Iverson of our generation. He's starting to get. He's, old. he's starting to get old. Like. Not yeah. necessarily like actually like thirty two or thirty five or something like that, but like the way that he plays. Oh, he's gonna wear down him, quick. Makes him age quicker than like somebody like Steph Curry, for example, who relies on shooting, relies on like his athletic ability in transition or in the half court, just like to crush the rim. So. Yeah, and he's not a good jump shooter yet. He insists on taking a ton of threes and jump shots. It's like <laughs> Russell, man, that's not you. So yeah, when he loses that athletic ability, he might just become the point guard version of Josh uh, Smith. But his ego can't do that, dude. A hundred percent. There's no way he could do that. Yeah. So so I don't know. That's why I feel like if I'm a really good team, I'm taking a very hard look at Russell Westbrook. I'm not questioning his skill set or his athleticism or the way he stuffs the stat sheet. I, I see all that. I'm questioning the way that he fits in on a team. Mm. And is he going to make the guys around him better as a point guard? This is a guy who's going to touch the ball almost every play on the offensive side of the ball. I need him to make people around me better. If he's not doing that and he's only making himself better, how does that help me towards winning a championship? Yeah. Yo. I don't know if it does. I don't know if it does, man. This is dark times for the Thunder, man. I bet you. Scary times, dude. Yeah. I love the, I bet you the Sonics fans are like writhing in glee. Can't believe that this is happening. Even though it's still sad, regardless of which team it is, but they stole the Supersonics, man. They stole, <laughs> they stole the What are you saying? This whole thing is karma? It's, yeah, I'd say, it, maybe not karma, but like I not I don't pity the owner. Like I don't feel bad for the owner. I feel bad for the city of Oklahoma. But I don't like feel better for the owner at all because he legit just stole the Supersonics from Seattle. And I don't support that because Seattle more than deserves a basketball team. They have one of the most vibrant uh, basketball cultures in like the world. So, Yeah. No, I think eventually they'll get one back. I think the big issue there in Seattle is the arena. They don't have an arena. Yeah, that's true. So once they resolve that, I feel like they'll get a team. One of the things about Seattle is that they, they're one of those cities that won't roll over and build the arena for a team because they realize that these people are billionaires and definitely have enough money to build their own arenas. Yep. <laughs> so they like they won't roll over and just like have like the city pay for the arena. So I can imagine cool. it's harder for them to get a franchise. I can just see it that way. Yeah, no, I respect that. I mean, that is a whole other topic about them forcing taxpayers to pay for teams. Yeah, we'll get there like, though. This there. <laughs> There will be more podcasts. Oh, of course. That'll be something. I mean, it's in the summer, you got to fill certain things up, right? So that's debatable. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week? Yeah, I feel like thinking brain. What are we going to do next week, brain? Yeah. <laughs> I had to take over the world. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we'll close this out here. Yeah. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this show of the uh, Raptors TOT cast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page, at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach me on Twitter, you can reach me at Chris O'Kranitz. If you want to reach Damar on Twitter, you can reach him at Damar J. Grant. Also, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review. If you don't like what you're hearing, leave us a bad review. 
email us. You gotta let us know so we can get better. I mean, I'm all for criticism as long as it helps us improve. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next week. Later.